Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friday Friends Day, a podcast by The Mama Marketer. I am your host, Olivia, and I hope that everyone is having a good week and is ready for the weekend. Today, I am going to talk with you about the most recent blog post that I put out, and it is about how learning about demons in the Bible actually helped improve my overall mental health. Now, before I get into that, I want to talk to you about something that is going on here locally. Um, So here in Wichita, there has been an incident that has been in the news. It's been in the news some, not as much as I think it should be, but it's in regards to a 17-year-old man, Cedric Lofton. Uh, He went by CJ, and he was a kiddo that neighbors said was was acting erratically, and so they had called the police to kind of come and do a well check on him, and the police come, and... And they actually released the body cam footage from all of the police officers earlier this week. And so I actually have watched about half of the footage. And so um, the police officers come to this call. Uh, Again, the neighbor said he was acting erratically, so I just expected to see this person acting, you know, belligerent, violent, just kind of crazy, you know. Um, I was surprised to see that he actually was fairly calm throughout the whole uh, ordeal. They talked to him for like an hour, and they're just trying to convince him to leave the property. He was at his foster parents' house, I believe, and they did not want him there, which which is kind of sad that they were on the other side of the door, but um, they're just trying to get him to leave the property, and throughout this whole, you know, hour plus long talk. They're telling him, you know, we want to take you to the hospital. We want to get you the help that you need. We want to keep you safe. And of course, eventually he is confused by the fact that he didn't do anything wrong. And he even says in the video, isn't this illegal? This is when they're actually picking him up and trying to take take him off the property. Um, at that point, they say that he battered the, the police officers. But again, from looking what I saw on the video, they kind of picked him up kind of like a toddler. And he's in like the fetal position and he jerks back and he jerks his back backwards, kind of like a, a kiddo that would, would do. I remember watching kiddos at church that uh, were not very easy to hold because they were so wiggly. So he kind of does this and he falls to the ground. And that's the point where the video says that the officers considered that being battered and they started being a little more forceful with removing him uh, from the property. So they eventually put him in this wrap system, which, oh my gosh, I will link to that in the show notes. It is like a straitjacket, but it also straps down your legs. And it's it's pretty uh, barbaric looking, in my opinion. But they put him in this, and uh, they're, they're supposedly going to wait for an ambulance to take him to the mental health facility like they had been telling him they would. And basically they end up not being able to get one or not wanting to wait, I'm not sure, but they end up putting him in the back of, the, of their cop car and they end up taking him to a juvenile facility. Now, at this point, they take the wrap system off. I believe he's just in handcuffs, and the cops actually leave and leave him in the care of the juvenile uh, facility. And um, it's crazy because in the in the footage, a uh, worker there actually says that she was booking in other youth. Uh, she missed the beginning of the incident because she was booking in other youth that were there for, like, murder charges or something. So they, they took a kid who they said they were not going to take him to jail. They took a kid who was just needing a mental health check and they ended up taking him to this place where there's actually murderers. So um, at some point 
They feel like they need to restrain him. Uh, they said that he threw a punch, but for, again, from looking at the footage, I didn't actually see the punch land. But nevertheless, they still, two guards restrained him. And uh, one guard says he put just a little bit of pressure on him. And the other guard says they didn't put any pressure on them. So kind of confusing. Um, long story short, uh, he ends up dying. In fact, they say that at some point they thought he was snoring and then they realized he did not have a pulse. So the, the footage picks up when the cops turned around and came back because they had gotten a call that something was happening and you can actually see them in the footage trying to revive him and he ends up dying later on at the hospital. And so, um, yeah, this has been kind of consuming me this week. Um, the reason it has come back up this week is because the district attorney has said that there was basically no wrongdoing in this case, that there will be no criminal charges taken against the police officers, the guards, basically none of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, his death was ruled a homicide. And he even said in the press release that at some point he thought maybe it was like accidental manslaughter or whatever the correct title is, um, but then ultimately he decided to go with, with this decision. And I just, oh man, I just don't understand that. I've, uh, I've spoken to a, a close uh, lawyer friend of mine who is a libertarian, and I asked him kind of what he thought about it. And he basically said that the DA is acting like the judge in this case. The, the DA is effectively blocking justice from happening. He is saying that he does not see uh, any wrongdoing. He actually says that the guards were were in compliance with the stand your ground laws, which I did not realize that those actually do extend to law enforcement officers. Um, but so so yeah, so that's so that's fine. Um, but the, just the issue to me is that there's there's a lot of um, gray area here. Even in the footage that I was watching, one of the guards even asked as he's being questioned, like, did we do the right thing? Were, were we supposed to restrain him? You know? And so it just seems like there's enough pieces to this case that don't make sense. Um, a 17-year-old child is dead. And I just think that this case of all cases deserve to go to court, deserve to have a judge look at it, deserve to have a jury look at it, and, and actually see how they interpret the law. And I just, I, I don't understand the DA blocking that. And I just, I hope that at some point this is able to, to through some kind of action, I hope that either the family personally or even some people higher up in the state, I hope that somebody actually does take a look at this. And I really hope that, uh, that we actually could see this go to court. I think there's enough information there that uh, the DA does not need to be standing in the way of that. And this all happened, you know, Monday was Martin Luther King Day, and I saw so many people, politicians, friends, businesses, everyone sharing Martin Luther King quotes. And then this happens on Tuesday. The DA's press, press release happens on Tuesday. And I just cannot understand the hypocrisy behind it. There's literally a Mar Martin Luther King quote that says something about the dangers of staying silent in the face of evil. So we're sharing that quote on Monday, and then Tuesday we are literally staying quiet. We are literally not talking about the injustice that's happening to CJ. And I just want to plead with you to stop posturing. Stop posturing and sharing the quotes that make you feel good on the important days. If you want to make a difference, actually get out there in the community and figure out what you can do to help the minorities around you. 
I definitely want to send prayers to the family and I just hope that at some point, you know, if there is anything, if there is, I think that there should be protests. I think that there should be, you know, not not riots, you know, fires in the street or anything like that, but I do think that the public needs to stand up for the family and for Cedric. So if I hear, hear wind of any of that happening, I will certainly share with you guys and I ask that you you do the same for me. So, okay. That's my two cents on that. Let's take a short little break and then we'll come back and talk about the blog. Okay, so as I sat down to try and write this blog post, I super found myself wanting to skip it. (laughs) Um, It's a hard topic. It's one that's been on my list for a couple of months and I kept kind of pushing it to the side. I had just gotten back from a fun vacation with a girlfriend and I thought, man, can I just do like a write-up on this fun vacation we just had, you know, and surely that's going to be a funner topic than uh, demonic oppression. (laughs) Um, But again, I have this rule that once a blog topic makes it onto my list, I absolutely have to write about it. I just have to explore it. I believe there's a reason it was put in my head and was, you know, made it onto the list. So I just simply told myself I could not push this topic off for another month. So uh, I sat down, I got my Bible out and some resources to do some research. And one of the first verses that I found was from 1 Timothy. Um, Anyone who knows me knows I love Timothy, probably my favorite books of the Bible. Um, So this one's 1 Timothy 4.16. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So I kind of took that as a a nudge in the right direction. And so I I say in the blog post, I'm just being obedient and sharing about um, demons in the Bible and how through studying those, I feel like it's actually helped my mental health. So um, first of all, I am not a scholar. I am not a theologian. I'm just someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression for most of my adult life. And, you know, with any form of healing, I go through highs and lows with it. There are times when I feel like I'm totally crushing it and and winning my mental health battle. And there are times where I feel utterly crushed by the feelings that I'm that I'm feeling and you know it that's just kind of how it goes um full transparency when I wrote this I was kind of somewhere in the middle you know not 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 feeling uh, on the high end but not feeling on the low end either so just kind of neutral um now I'm blessed to have a Christian counselor who actually specializes specializes in treating anxiety and depression without medication uh she's trained me to lean on God's word now that's not to say that I don't still have a Xanax prescription That's not to say that I don't ever take it, but it's just no longer the first thing that I go to in a time of need. I I try to turn to my Bible first. And in doing that over the past couple years, I've become very interested in any mentions of demons in the Bible. Now, I am also blessed to attend a church that teaches that demons are real. We, We don't have our heads in the sand about that fact. And I think that's a really good kind of first thing for you to accept as you're listening to this today is that we... We have to acknowledge that demons and evil spirits are actually very real. Um, And that's not something to be scared of or shy shy away from. There's plenty of evidence in the Bible, yes, about the existence of demons, but there is also just as much evidence showing that Jesus has ultimate power over those demons. We see both Jesus and his disciples cast out demons more than once. So that tells me that through him, the relationship with him, we also have that same power over our own own demons. Uh, In Mark 16, seven, it says, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, they will drive out demons. So that's, that's good news, friends. That's good news that we have that power. 
Now, another important thing that I've learned through all of this is that there is a difference between full-on demonic possession, which is also a totally real thing, and oppression. One completely consumes you, while the other is just kind of taking up space in your head. And at my lowest, most unhealthy place, I'm still able to be thankful to God that I am simply oppressed and not full-on possessed. I know that only God has full possession of me. I know that I have not yet, nor will I ever experience an episode so bad that God isn't going to stick with me through it. And again, that's that's good news. I, I know that if as long as God has even a sliver of dedicated space in my head, I know that he can actually help me fight and overcome and bring the rest of me back, the rest of my head back to where it needs to be. Um, my mental health oppression does not define me. It will not define me. God has already already defined me. Um, uh, a, a verse that I, I go to uh, a lot is Isaiah 43.2. It says, when you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So uh, I might be walking through mental health difficulty, but it's not going to overcome me. And, and God has promised me that. Um, so here's where it all comes down. So the main thing I've come to realize is that many of our current day mental health struggles are not new for humans. Now, sure, in the Bible, it doesn't flat out say this person was suffering with bipolar or this person was suffering with depression. Uh, but I believe that's just because the science of naming every single ailment didn't exist yet. I believe that many times in the Bible, when they're referring to a demon or a deceitful spirit, that they are actually, in fact, referring to some sort of mental health issue. Now, just because those diagnoses aren't mentioned specifically in the Bible does not mean that we can't use the Bible to help us fight them. It doesn't have to be this kind of push and pull of it's either scripture or science. A lot of people want to make us believe that we have to make that choice, but I believe that God gave us both scripture and science to help us defeat the enemy. And I'm just so thankful and I ask that you take a moment too and consider how lucky we are that we do live in a time when we know better, when we don't have to just say every ailment is, is some kind of demon. You know, we actually have names for the specific types of emotional issues that we carry that helps us be better equipped to defeat them, right? So we should absolutely be using everything we know now to help us in the battle against Satan. In John 10, 10, it says, and I know you guys have all heard this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. So we're not living our lives to the fullest if we're ignoring the weapons that God has given us. We need to be using all the weapons that are disposable to fight the demons, both scripture and science. <laughs> and um, I just want you to, I want to know that that's my prayer for you, uh, that every day, not just this year, not just today when you're listening to this, but every day is that you will fight for the abundant life that's already been promised to you and already been laid out for you. Um, and you don't have to, you don't have to feel scared or nervous of these mentions of this in the Bible because it actually is, even though that text might feel at times like it doesn't apply to us, it, it actually, it actually does. And I just would encourage you to start diving in and look up some of these scriptures and some of these references of demons and, and let me know what you think. Uh, it comforted me and it helps me along in my journey. Uh, but I would love to hear how, uh, it helps you. So 
Okay, so that vlog is posted on my website, themamamarketer.com. Definitely check it out. It's newly rebuilt. You could super help me out by going to the bottom and subscribing. Um, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. You can always reach out to me with your thoughts. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.